Blog Talk Radio. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at His command. Well, you don't have to worry. Hold on to Jesus' hand We'll all be safe from Satan When the thunder rolls We just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole Folks, to another hour of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. <laughs> Let's get this party started right here and right now. You know, I was talking to a friend uh, last week, about uh, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, and he, uh, he, we were, we were discussing money matters, and so 
So he's about 30. And so I, my response to, uh, to his concerns were, 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 were this. I said to him, uh, very deadpan, I said, money is the key to end all of your woes, your ups, your downs, your highs, and your lows. I said, tell me the last time that love bought your clothes. And then I waited a moment and I said, it's like that. <laughs> and that's the way it is. And you know, he just nodded his head. He had no idea that I was quoting a rhyme rap from Run DMC. And I started to think, you know, because I, I talk to a lot of people who are close to my age and and who are younger, and even you know, a, a lot of folks who are who are the same age as me, they um seem to have lost or have no sense of culture. Uh, somebody who's in their fifties, mid fifties, or, or early, even the early fifties, I'll ask, um, hey, what's your favorite movie? And in, invariably, I would get a response that, oh. Uh, it's uh, you know Star Wars or um, something from the 90s, and my my first thought was you know we, you grew up in the 60s you, we were watching t- television in the 60s. Um, don't you recall movies like Ben Hur, uh, The Ten Commandments, To Kill a Mockingbird, Citizen Kane, which was arguably or is arguably the the greatest movie ever made. None of these movies. I know. I'd, I'd even settle for uh, W. D. Griffith's *Birth of a Nation*. Any, any I mean, but I'm, I'm wondering what's going on in terms of one expanding one's cultural horizons to the point where you start. You know, everything is now. It's uh, our history virtually means nothing anymore. It's it's what happened yesterday. It's what. What 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 happened the day before yesterday, and what's going to happen tomorrow? That kind of thing, and I I find it to be frightening and 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 and, and interesting too, uh, the the lack of of culture, and uh, and and not to say that Run DMC is uh, was a cultural phenomenon, no, nothing of that sort, but one would think. That you know the the beginnings of uh, hip hop and uh, rap music that uh, even a guy who's in his thirties um, uh, would would know would have heard at least a couple of uh, the hits from back in the old days, the eighties. So yeah, I found that to be interesting. But let's get on with our topics here. I want to talk about uh, capitalism versus socialism today. Uh, because we've got a lot of our politicians who uh, want to overthrow our current system, uh, along with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, Antifa, and and other organizations want to want to remake this system to, uh, as Barack Obama put it some years ago, fundamentally transform the United States of America. Those were his exact words. I should have put the quotes in there, but um, so. Let's understand what capitalism and socialism is and what it might mean to us. Because I'll tell you something right here and now. There are those who 
say, okay, well, Venezuela, well, that wasn't really socialism, but yeah, it really was. They almost every every place in time where socialism has been tried, it has failed. And I'm going to give you quite a few examples as we go along. Now, feel free to call in if you want to discuss it, or if you're a socialist or a Marxist or a Leninist or a communist, go ahead and call in or jump into our chat room here. The call-in number is 914-205-5504. And you're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yeah, today's date is October 28th, the year 2000, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. All right, capitalism versus socialism. All right, so the term capitalism and socialism are both used to describe economic and political systems. On a theoretical level, both of these terms also describe specific schools of economic thought. One of the most fundamental differences between the systems of capitalism and socialism lies in the scope of government intervention within an economy. Yeah. So, capitalism. The capitalist economic model relies on free market conditions for the creation of wealth, the production of good and goods and services are based on supply and demand. I'm sure a lot of us have heard that those terms, supply and demand. In the general market, this economic structure is referred to as a market economy, a market economy. In a socialist economic model, the production of goods and services is either partially or fully regulated by the government. This is referred to as central planning, and the economic structure that is created is known as planned planned economy or a command economy. So what are the takeaways here? The capitalist economic model relies on free market conditions for the creation of wealth, production of goods and services based on supply and demand. Yeah, so we know that. And now we know what a socialist economic model is. Now, understand this. Socialism has not worked ever at any time. As, it really, as it's been defined here by me and by, well, it's, it's the general definition, both. So, they don't work. They don't work at all. I know a lot of you don't – some of you may remember when the government uh, had – when we experienced this government scandal. So a couple of them here. I'll, I'll cite a couple of them that I remember specifically while working at the Pentagon um, in the procurement uh, part for the United States Marine Corps. And I was part of that group. And I noticed that the Marine Corps and the Navy – were purchasing a large amount of hammers and toilet seats, specifically. Now, as it turns out, the the Navy and Marine Corps were purchasing toilet seats and hammers. Guess how much the hammers cost? And you can look this up. The government was being charged by private distributors, other companies, that that are contracted by the government to sell them things, 
they were charging the government $300 for a hammer and up to $700 for toilet seats. And the government was, they paid. They paid up every single time those invoices came in. After 90 days, the government paid out. And the government was none the wiser. And then we had the House banking scandal. Um, the House um, the, the House of Congress had a uh, had their own bank within within the congressional halls, and a congressman would go in uh, and to cash checks, and they would write checks with no money in their account and receive funds two hundred here, three hundred there, nothing really big, but it was a house bank that it, it what was created was a house banking scandal because all of these congressmen quite a few of them were basically writing bad checks and no one was censured for it no one was taken to jail like what what happened with you or me it just simply went away so why am i citing these examples because the government has never been in the business of creating wealth and most of the people who serve in Congress never ran a business. They didn't have to meet payroll. They didn't have the bookkeeping skills and all that. Just think about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who apparently graduated from Boston. And she graduated with a degree in uh, economics. And to hear her speak, it almost sounds as if she didn't even graduate from high school. She has no no sense of how the economy actually works, but she's an advocate for socialism. Yeah, so that's crazy. I mean, seriously, that is some crazy stuff. And you have Bernie Sanders and all of these other um, con- congressmen and, and, and folks who want to just overthrow the capitalist system because they don't believe it's fair. It's not fair for one person to have more than another person. We should all be equal. And last year, when I touched on this topic, I talked about how uh, I gave an example. I have four or five cars in total, and and, and I have a work truck. Now, I don't use my personal vehicles almost ever lately. You know, I mean, they've been sitting in the driveway, in the garage, and I simply use a, a big white suburban I drive around in. Now, under the socialist system, uh, someone like AOC would say, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would say, well, look here. You've got all of these vehicles that you pay for, that you pay insurance on, that you, you earn money to buy these things. But look, you're not using those things. So here's what we're going to do. The United States government, on behalf of the United States government, we're going to confiscate two or three of your vehicles because there's a single mother out there with five kids, and she can use that vehicle to get back and forth to work. So we're just going to take those from you. Yeah, we'll give you free market value for what, for what they're worth, but we're, we're going to have to take those. And that's, that's in essence what socialism is all about. Remember, I'm not taking from you. I'm giving to me. That's how, that's how they think. So 
and it's a perfect example. Now, here's the difference. Now, I might say, well, I've got these other cars. One of them is a little older, but it still runs really well. So I'm going to go ahead and donate that vehicle to a worthy cause. Okay, now I've made the decision, but we're going to get to a point, if these folks succeed, where I won't, the decision won't be mine to make. And that's what's scary about this whole situation. Joe Biden says that he will not – that he is going to tax heavily anyone making over $400,000 a year. Most of those are small businesses. So he's going to heavily tax small businesses so he can use that money for worthy causes like uh, windmills and, 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 and solar energy and all that. The problem with that is that most of the folks who are making that money, as I said, over 400000 they're small business owners like me. And when we're heavily taxed, we can't buy equipment, we can't buy vehicles, and guess what? Somebody's got to go because my, when my margin starts to dwindle, I'm going to fix that by letting some folks go because my, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to prosper one way or another, or I'm just going to shut my business down and, and go ahead and retire. So it's, so, and, and that's going to – and, and if this is widespread. This is what Joe Biden wants to do. And once it gets to that point, if he succeeds, the unemployment rate is going to skyrocket. It's just going to be terrible. And what about Solyndra? Remember that Solyndra scandal uh, during the uh, Biden, uh, the, the uh, Obama-Biden years where they put billions of dollars, not millions, but billions of dollars into uh, uh, green energy? that never actually panned out and all that money was wasted, look that up when you get a chance. Uh-huh. Crazy, right? <laughs> but they still keep trying. They won't give up. So we're going to take a short break, and maybe we'll learn a little something about the, the Green New Deal. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey have officially introduced the long-awaited Green New Deal. Today, I think, is a really big day for our economy, the labor movement, the social justice movement, indigenous peoples, and people all over the United States of America. Markey and Ocasio-Cortez introduced a resolution that calls for the federal government to create a Green New Deal by meeting 100% of the power demand in the United States through clean, renewable, and zero-emission energy sources. And in the process, this will create millions of good high-wage jobs and ensure prosperity and economic security for all people of the United States. Climate change and our environmental challenges are one of the biggest existential threats to our way of life. Not, at, not just as a nation, but as a world. So what's in this so-called Green New Deal? Everything and nothing. Because the resolution says what should be done, but offers few, if any, specifics on how it gets done. Again, the, the resolution deals with principles. We don't deal with any individual um, uh, approach that would be taken. And that's why we define the scope of this resolution to be so broad and to be so comprehensive. A broad and comprehensive plan that offers zero specifics 
on how to accomplish any of it. <laughs> Fantastic. So one of these goals is to completely eradicate all greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. So now we're talking about this renewable revolution. We're talking about all electric vehicles. Yep. If you own a car, truck, motorcycle, or van that runs on gasoline, and you likely do since there are around 260 million of them, you'll have to replace it with an all-electric vehicle within 10 years. Do you have a gas-burning stove in your home? That will have to be replaced too because natural gas emits greenhouse gases. And I'm sure that policy won't affect the over 600,000 restaurants in the United States that require natural gas to cook food. Not to mention the thousands of food trucks and food carts that require the use of propane to operate. And I can't say for sure, but your charcoal and gas grill will probably be illegal too. Sorry. We're talking about uh, mandating uh, that all new buildings in the United States are twice or three times more efficient than the ones that are being built today and to refurbish the old ones so that they meet higher energy efficiency standards. The resolution calls for upgrading all existing buildings in the United States. That's millions and millions of existing residential and commercial buildings that will need to be upgraded to meet whatever new energy standards the federal government comes up with. We're talking about an historic 10-year mobilization that will mitigate climate emissions, build climate resiliency. We have acted on this scale before, and we must do it again. <laughs> we have never acted on this scale before. There's 136 million housing units in the U.S., and all of them are supposed to be upgraded in 10 years? That's not even counting every commercial building. There aren't enough electricians and construction workers on the planet to pull this off, let alone the United States. It's logistically impossible. Oh, <laughs> wait, I'm sorry, I forgot. The Green New Deal will take care of all of this by providing resources, training, and high-quality education, including higher education, so that all people of the United States may be full and equal participants in the Green New Deal mobilization. We need massive renewable energy deployment. Wind, solar, offshore wind, storage batteries for renewable electricity. That's where the training and high-quality education come in, because we're going to need a ton of workers to design, build, install, and maintain renewable energy devices like the hundreds of thousands of wind turbines that will be required to generate the country's electricity. Our energy future will not be found in the dark of a mine, but in the light of the sun. Not exactly. See, those storage batteries he mentioned don't grow down at the local Best Buy. They need to be manufactured with elements like graphite, lithium, and cobalt. Elements that are all found in the dark of a mine. Now you might be thinking, what if I don't want to be a lithium miner, wind turbine engineer, or construction worker? Well, don't worry, the Green New Deal's got you covered. According to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez's platform, the federal jobs guarantee would provide training and experience to workers while bringing much needed public services to our communities in areas such as park service, child care, and environmental conservation. I don't know what that has to do with climate change, but if you don't want to do any of those things, it's totally cool. Because according to a fact sheet released by Ocasio-Cortez's office, the Green New Deal will provide economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Note to self, 
move to Hawaii and be unable and unwilling to work. The same fact sheet states, we set a goal to get to net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years because we aren't sure that we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. So we're gonna get rid of cows and airplanes. Are we being pranked? Nope, because the fact sheet also states that one of the Green New Deal's infrastructure goals is to build out high-speed rail at a scale where air travel stops becoming necessary. No one with half a brain could possibly think that's a good idea, right? I know that there's going to be debate about how realistic that is, especially when you consider the corporations that will influence that discussion. But with that said, the idea of never having to fly again is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Right. <laughs> Maybe we could do a Hyperloop. How do you take a train to Europe? You know, this... Ah, who wants to travel overseas anyway? This crazy senator from Hawaii. They said, do you like it? Yes, I like it very much. Oh, really? How are we getting to Hawaii on a train? The president is talking about Senator Maisie Hirono, who signed on to co-sponsor the Senate resolution. But when asked about the fact sheet's call for getting rid of airplanes, Hirono replied, that would be pretty hard for Hawaii. She didn't think about that one, but she's thinking about it. She'll figure it out. I guess you could take a cruise ship, right? Oh, except that cruise ships run on fuel. Oh, we got to ban those two. Okay, so you won't be able to fly anywhere or drive more than 100 miles before having to stop and charge your electric vehicle. But on the bright side, millions of jobs will be created all in the name of saving the world from climate change, right? As you know, Congresswoman, one reason that people who are politically conservative are skeptical of efforts to combat climate change mm -hmm. is that it sounds to them like it requires massive government intervention, which they just mm -hmm. don't like. Are you prepared to put on the table that, yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention? It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. Well, I was later. I think one, one way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. Mm -hmm. Takeover, intervention, semantics. Another issue that came up was that the fact sheet talked about not only transitioning off of fossil fuels, but also from nuclear energy. A Green New Deal is a massive investment in renewable energy production and would not include creating new nuclear plants. But why not? Nuclear power is a zero emission energy source. So why wouldn't you combine nuclear with renewables? Because expanding nuclear power sources would dramatically remove the need for the millions and millions of federally guaranteed jobs that the green dream calls for. As you can see, AOC is using climate change as an excuse for her socialism. It's unclear if we will be able to decommission every nuclear plant within 10 years, but the plan is to transition off of nuclear and all fossil fuels as soon as possible. No, the plan is to transition to clean, renewable, and zero emission energy sources. And since AOC's fact sheet contradicts the actual House resolution, this confused reporters. Can you explain where the Green New Deal stands on nuclear power? There's just a confusion after the initial fact sheet went out that said there was no room for nuclear. Is that where you stand on this? Uh, the, the, the resolution is silent on any individual technology uh, which can uh, move us towards a solution of this problem. This is a, uh, a resolution that does, that does not have individual prescriptions 
in it. Mm -hmm. So it is silent, the resolution itself. That is not part of the resolution. Thanks for watching, sharing, and hitting that like button. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. And while you're here, check out the sources and links in the description, and check out these videos that you may have missed. As always, I hope to see you next time. Wow, I am so excited to be here. Hi, All I'm right. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back, folks. Now, you've gotten an overview of the Green New Deal which has been sponsored by uh, no no Republicans. We're not that stupid. I mean, seriously, can I just go ahead and say it? What the fuck? I, I, these people are fucked up, and they're crazy. Either that or they're pranking us uh, or, or pulling our legs in some way or another. No reasonable person would do any of these things. None. None, mind you, because, first of all, you cannot pay for it. I mean, it's been it's been explained. You just heard it. This is what the Green New Deal is all about. And guess who else is sponsoring the Green New Deal? Yeah, Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. He signed on, too. It is bizarre in its scope. These people are crazy. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. It probably won't be all that quick. About It's, it's a tale. It, it, I'm telling a tale, and, and, and I want you to look these things up. Don't, just don't take my word for it. The first socialist utopia in America. I'm going to tell you about the first socialist utopia that was established in America and the lessons that it offers for us right here, right now, today. And I know a lot of you, a lot of you aren't historians and you don't really have a whole lot of time for that sort of thing, but you know what? I got all the time in the world. So here, I'm going to tell you this story and I want you to think about it. Those of you who are listeners out there who might be considering socialism and establishing a socialist utopia here in the great United States of America. All right. Okay, so this there was this tiny village. Uh, it was called New Harmony, and it was in Indiana. It's it's still there. In fact, um, the, the the town is, um, and and it it. it Indiana is something of a, a mid. It, it, it was a midwestern utopia. It was really pretty. It's a beautiful slice of small America uh, on the banks of the uh, Wabash River. Uh, Tree-lined main streets uh, uh, that evoke the memory of a simpler time in this country, in history when folks could leave their doors unlocked. Neighbors were best friends, and everyone worked together. The common good, which is not always so good, as you'll find out. In that simpler time, almost 200 years ago, 195 as of today, New Harmony was a literal utopia where people really did work together for the common good in what is considered to be the United States of America's first socialist community. Yeah. Okay. So here, let's begin. On April 27, 1825, British industrialist Robert Owen purchased New Harmony from a religious community with grand plans to turn it into what he called a new moral world. Those are his exact words, in fact. 
I don't even know. I, yeah, okay. Let, let, all right. Okay. <laughs> There's but one mode by which man can possess. This is this is his quote. There there is but one mode by which man can possess in perpetuity all the happiness which his nature is capable of enjoying. I don't even know what the hell that means. He wrote. He wrote this, and that is by the union and cooperation, that's a key word, of all for the benefit of each. It sounds like a bunch of copy-proof bullshit to me, but here we go. Okay, so this spirit of cooperation in Owen's utopia would prove his theory that society may be formed so as to exist without crime – without poverty, with health greatly improved, with little, if any, misery, and with intelligence and happiness increased a hundredfold, and no obstacle whatsoever intervenes at this moment except ignorance to prevent such a state of society from becoming universal. That's another quote from my man out there. He's out there where the buses don't run for sure. Okay, so the wealthy, he argued, take – this was another quote. The wealthy, he argued, take pride in depriving the great mass of mankind of the most essential benefits that belong to human nature. If those benefits were shared equally among the masses, though, then a community could live together in harmony. Yeah. So – this is all about taking from one group to give to another who hadn't no, who didn't work for it, didn't put any effort, didn't take any risk, but you've got too much. So we're going to go ahead and take some of that. You know, Obama infamously said a few years into his a uh, couple of years into his um his uh his first term that uh, I do believe that at some point you made enough money how the hell is he to decide how much money is enough for me? But he, he was dumb enough to say it. People say the guy's brilliant. Oh, he's so smart. He's so – you've got to be some kind of moron if you think that you can decide for me how much money is enough for me. All right, but that's, that was his thinking at that time, and I, I had a lot to say about it then. But it also plays into what we're talking about right here and now. All right. So Owens addressed Congress and outlined his benefit to everyone who would listen in Washington, D.C. at that time, eventually attracting hundreds of lending thinkers, artists, scientists, and workers to help him create a superior socialist, intellectual, and physical environment. So these people, these politicians bought into what he was what he was saying. Does this all sound familiar? It should. It should sound so familiar right now because all of this is playing out yet again. And now it's in our our time that this is all playing out. All right? So he said that this will be a community of equality, unlike any the country had seen before. Each of New Harmony's 800 residents would contribute their unique talents. Listen, listen now. Each of New Harmony's 800 residents would contribute their unique talents 
and share in the bounty that they were sure to produce together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we're gonna see. <laughs> You're gonna see how this shit all plays out because apparently, if Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, my homegirl from Puerto Rico, if she has her way, and if Biden has his way, and some of these other clowns have their way, we're we're gonna have a history. Uh, some say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So we're going to have a whole lot of rhyming going on pretty goddamn soon. So take a listen to this. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. So th- they didn't almost uh, immediately uh, – this didn't work out immediately for them. Owen recognized that his grand community was, was chaotic um, because uh, its residents lacked the motivation to work while the government was unable to manage even the town's one general store. See, here's the problem. Incentives. I mean, one has to have the incentive to go out and work and earn money and, and buy things and take care of oneself the way, uh, the way one likes to. I mean, you have to have incentive, uh, motivation to go out and go to work every day. You, 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 I mean, you got to have it. If you don't have it, then... You know, you wind up broke, living on the street. So, I mean, who wants that? Certainly not me. All right. So he had this community going, and there there was a, a, a total lack of motivation, okay? Uh, a perfect model of utopian socialism. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going I'm to give you a, a clue. It failed. It failed in less than a year. Yeah, the whole thing went to hell. Let me give you an example. Even uh, uh, even salads were deposited in, in the store to be handed out, uh, one New Harmony resident wrote, making 10,000 unnecessary steps and causing them to come to the tables in a wilted, deadened state. That's a direct quote from one of the residents. And this is how the government operates. They've always operated that way. 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 different steps, sometimes hundreds of different steps, just to produce one item. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, not a lot of people know that Amtrak is run by the government. So yes, it is the, 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 the tracks, the, the trains, all of that is run by the government. So now... And I've, t- I've taken the train a lot, Amtrak a lot, going cross country, you know, going from one state to another, many times. So what they'll do is they, in order to make a cheeseburger and some fries to sell to you in the dining car, the cheeseburger and fries may cost you six dollars, maybe seven dollars for for the cheeseburger and fries. It's a lot for <laughs> cheeseburger and fries, but they'll charge you that much for it. But it was revealed some years ago that it cost Amtrak $14 to make a $6 dish. Yeah, it's crazy. Look this up when you get a chance. Amtrak has not made a, not made a profit in over 20 years. It is continually subsidized by the government just to keep it running because – it's a government-run entity. 
It's a government-run operation. $14, look it up, $14 to make a $7 dish. And that's just a hamburger. Well, cheaper with fries. So this is how the government does, doesn't do these things well. Because, and one of the reasons is because the government somehow, and those who operate within the government, somehow believe that we have unlimited resources in terms of funds. And if we don't, we can just print some more. We can just, we just print more money. And we have unlimited resources. The government is all-powerful, the United States. And when we're not, we're basically broke. We're borrowing money every single day, which is why we're over $21 trillion in debt. That's a lot of bread. And, oh, and the Green New Deal, that's supposed to cost anywhere from 75 to $100 trillion if it were feasible to do all that stuff. So, yeah, where's that bread coming from? It must grow on trees. Uh, maybe that's why they're you know, tree huggers, because they want uh, they want some more trees so they can grow some more money on it. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Mr. Mann's, uh, 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 Mr. Owen's uh, utopia was quickly collapsing around him. It wasn't working out at all. But Owen, ever the idealist, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, my homegirl from PR, was he was determined. He was determined to make this shit work. So on July 4th, how, how appropriate, 1826, which was the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, he delivered what he termed the Declaration of Mental Independence. The Declaration of Mental Independence. What's up with all that? Well, we're going to find out. But right now, we're going to take a l- another little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll finish this story off. But it is certainly fascinating. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. around the globe the maldistribution of wealth 
the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going Welcome back, folks. Love me some Milton Freeman. Man, when he passed away, I cried like a baby. What a, what a brilliant man. Uh, and uh, he's so right. If you listen to what he said, he is so absolutely right. But let's get back to our story because we're running out of time. He said, uh, 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 Mr. Owen said, uh, and I quote, I now declare to you and to the world that man up to this hour has been in all parts of the earth a slave to a trinity of the most monstrous evil that could be combined to inflict mental and physical evil upon the whole race. He said that. Yeah. He also said that I refer to private property, absurd and irrational systems of religion and marriage founded upon individual property. Not, not, sometimes you got to read that that twice, or, or think it think think it over a couple of times to try to figure out what what the hell is he talking about. Okay, but none so none of that existed in New Harmony, of course. Superstitious religious traditions were laughed at. Private property was abolished, and even children were raised by the community instead of in family units. It was, as Owens put it, 
the perfect model of utopian socialism. Remember when Hillary Clinton said back some years that it takes a village to raise a child? No, it takes two parents, mom and dad, that's it. That's all you really need. You don't need the whole village. You don't need the whole community raising your child because some of those perverts, well, they might be perverts. So we don't want those hanging around. They might might be socialists too. Yeah, we can't have any of that. So this utopian society, as I stated earlier, failed in less than a year because it was like it was like bullshit. <laughs> but but apparently some folks want to try it just one more time. Just even though Venezuela, you know, they they're, they're the most recent failure, but somehow it'll be different because I guess we're the United States of America and we're we're the you know. We're, we're, we're all powerful, so we, we'll try socialism. We'll put in these socialist policies and, and all this Green New Deal crap, and it'll work great for us because, you know, we're the United States, and we, we know how to do it just right, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, this community that we were talking about couldn't produce enough food to be self-sufficient. Wonder why? I'm going to tell you why. Primarily because it when its hardest working members – now, listen to this. When its hardest-working hardest members realized that they would earn the same benefits as the laziest, they stopped working. They said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm working my ass off while dude is sitting over there on his ass, and we're, eating, you know, we're, we're getting the same amount of food. Why do I have to work? Why should I slave and work my ass off so that he can, like, uh, 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 reap the bounty and he's not doing anything folks listen to me this is the danger of socialism they want to rob from Robert to give to Brian and but Brian's a, a high school dropout he's a complete fuck off and he's snorting crack cocaine and, and he, he can't hold a job but somehow I'm a successful man and the government is saying that I need to give some of my shit to to Brian because you know what we need to take care of each other. We need, you know, I need to be my brother's keeper. Now, hell, the hell with that. That's not happening. All right. So now, now you understand what's happening. So with no new houses being built for the community that was growing, and food shortages becoming an epidemic. Homelessness and famine ran rampant until eventually, yeah, you guessed it, New Harmony's experiment with socialism ended March 18, uh, uh, in March 1827. Game over. That was the, the utopian, I mean, did the guy mean well? I suppose. He had his philosophy. He, I mean, he, his thought processes. I mean, and he was pure of heart, I suppose. But this is the folly of socialism, taking from one group to give to another who simply does not deserve it, who has not worked for it. You heard it. This is all history. You can look this up. Go ahead and Google New Harmony in the great state of Indiana and, 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 and get the idea for yourself. I mean, it, I mean, this shit doesn't work. So, but he didn't give up. No, he didn't give up, folks. Yeah, in a desperate bid to save his failed utopia, 
Owens allowed for individual property ownership and private enterprise, but by then it was too late. New Harmony collapsed under the weight of its lofty ideals in 1829. Now, Owens, probably a good-hearted man, he squandered his personal fortune paying off the town's debts, but refused to acknowledge that his vision was a disaster. Now, folks, we know that, guess what? His vision was a disaster. <laughs> Mm-mm. Yeah. Yep, it was a big old mess. So that's that's one really good example of how socialism and the attempts to create a socialist utopia here in the United States. Um, now that was a that was a that was a that was a great example. And you know, I can I can we can go forward where there've been other examples, but this is the best one here. There's one going back to the founding of the uh, of the. Uh, of the United States, you know, when the pilgrims and all those folks came over, they tried something similar. And I think they started out with somewhere in the area of 600 um, uh, uh, people who got together and decided that they were going to share in the the bounty. They were all going to plant, they, they were all going to do the very same things that Owen tried to do in his socialist utopia. But this was during when there were just so very few people here. And so what they, they tried to do the same thing, and they met with the very same problem, and they wound up starving to death, many of them, to the point where there were only somewhere in the area of 32, 33 uh, uh, pilgrims left, or I'm calling them pilgrims, but new people kind of coming to America back in the um, back in the, the 1600s. So they they came here, they attempted to do exactly what Owens wanted to do, they wound up starving to death. And eating each other. Yeah, when somebody dropped, you know, cut a slice off of that butt, fry it up, and they wound up cannibalizing each other because of this very same problems. Nobody wanted to work real hard while somebody else is sitting under a tree, you know, taking a nap and not pitching in. This is the folly of this whole socialist utopia deal. If you're into this sort of thing, well... You kind of shouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, all you really have to do is is, is 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 look it up. Look it up. It's crazy. All right, folks. I want to thank you for listening to my show tonight. Quite a few of you in the chat room chiming in, and I certainly do appreciate it. And I, I know there are plenty of things you could be doing tonight, and, and, and a lot of stuff you could be taking care of. And you took the time to listen to my show, and I really do appreciate you for it. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and sign off now. We'll be back tomorrow with more. And I'm not sure what we're going to talk about tomorrow, but, hey, I'll set it up, and then we'll knock it out of the park like usual. Thank you once again for listening. Dr. C. Robert Jones, out.
Yes, it is. 